Greetings and happy Thanksgiving on this Harvest Sunday here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Our lectionary reader today is Tim Blum. His daughter, Christina Blum, is our psalmist. Our organist is our faithful David Berry. And my name is Susan Brazier. At this season of harvest, when market stalls and pantries overflow with the abundance of the earth, we give thanks to our God, for God is good. God's steadfast love shall endure forever. Come, let us worship God. Now we'll have our prayer of illumination. God of prophets and parables, as we gather to listen to the scriptures read and proclaimed, may we hear your voice, and in hearing, may our lives be transformed by your grace. Today's scripture reading, our first scripture reading, is from Isaiah 25, verses 1 through 9. Lord, you are my God. I will honor you and praise your name. You have done amazing things. You have faithfully carried out the plans you made long ago. You have turned cities into ruins and destroyed their fortifications. The palaces which our enemies built are gone forever. The people of powerful nations will praise you. You will be feared in the cities of cruel nations. The poor and the helpless have fled to you and have been safe in times of trouble. You give them shelter from storms and shade from the burning heat. Cruel enemies attack like a winter storm, like drought in a dry land. But you, Lord, have silenced our enemies. You silence the shouts of cruel people as a cloud cools a hot day. Here on Mount Zion, the Lord Almighty will prepare a banquet for all the nations of the world, 
a banquet of the richest food and the finest wine. The meat will be good and tender, the wine pure and clear. Here we will suddenly remove the cloud of sorrow that has been hanging over all the nations. The sovereign Lord will destroy death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation.
please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is Thanksgiving weekend, as designated as Harvest Sunday in the Presbyterian Church of Canada. This weekend is a time of lavish meals of roast turkey, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pies with frothy whipped cream, or if you're living with adolescent boys, it might just be the whipped cream straight from the can. Now, in my family, there is always apple pie. It is a specialty of our house. It is a time of lavish abundance, a time of families coming together, a time of great conversations as our tummies are full and our hearts overflow in gratitude for all that we have. In the Isaiah passage that Tim read for us, this idea of God's abundance is described in terms of a lavish feast, just like we have a lavish feast now. Now, now understand that at the time the author of Isaiah wrote those words, money was unknown in this part of the ancient world. Essentially, money had not been invented. Well, at least not in these early days of the Jewish culture. So people described riches in terms of food, in terms of lavish banquets. The text that Tim read for us said the Lord Almighty will prepare a banquet for all the nations of the world, a banquet of the richest food and the finest wine. The meat will be good and tender and the wine pure and clear. If we have any foodies, any Epicureans, Isaiah 25 verse 6 is historically fascinating in the original Hebrew. A snippet of scripture contains really interesting details about how the meat and wine were prepared for God's feast. Modern chefs and winemakers would be challenged by these standards. Let's just say our Lord God Almighty knows how to host a party. But remember that this is a meal for all nations, for everyone, including the people we might have a hard time getting along with. Conflict, conflict with others just seems to be part of life. And for all this lavish imagery of the perfect Thanksgiving meal from a Hallmark movie or a Norman Rockwell painting, gathering family and friends around a dinner table can be fraught with tensions. Currently in the United States, many families are now in dread of these reunions for fear of the ugly words as they try to navigate mega hats and Biden buttons. Conflicts that just rip at every fiber of a community. But conflict doesn't just arrive in the political sludge of a neighboring country. Conflict and grappling with that inevitable conflict is a part of life. And it is to a particular conflict that Paul wrote the beginning of chapter 4 of his letter to the Philippians. Listen now for the word of God. Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, brothers and sisters, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved 
I urge Euodia and I urge Synteche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. I just want to tell you that in my opinion, Philippians 4 verses 4 through 9 are simply the best scripture in the entire Bible. It is a Swiss army knife of scripture. Philippians 4 can be used for just everything. Tom and I selected this passage for our wedding when my father passed away. I used it for his funeral. It has just everything. Celebration. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Conflict. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Comfort. The Lord is near. In times of anxiety, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then it describes this really weird thing that happens for Christians, that we can be in the very bowels of hell. Everything can be going horribly wrong. And with prayer and supplication, the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. I experience this often, and yet it still never ceases to leave me just awestruck. This godly comfort that surrounds me and leaves me in a place of peace, even as a chaos rages, it surpasses all human understanding. It defies logic and reason, and yet, with prayer and supplication, by making our needs known to God, our souls are restored. Personally, I, I just don't get it. But I am so grateful that this is an essential part of my Christian life. So isn't it interesting that this passage starts by naming a conflict that existed in the church in Philippi? There's some sort of dispute between these two significant leaders in the Philippians church. Paul writes, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, 
for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel. Now, I have a bit of a misspent youth reading way too many Nancy Drew mystery novels, and, and it's augmented by the fact that I have a fondness for Louise Penny's works. And so when I get confronted by a passage like this, I just want to know who these people were and, and what was the dispute about. Uh, but unfortunately, I cannot skip to the last page of the book to satisfy this curiosity. So we have to look at the clues, and this is what we know. Euodia, the name means harmony, and synteke, which means come together, are were relatively common Greek names for women. So we have these two women who were Greek, or at least they had parents who gave them daughters Greek names. We know that they had earned Paul's highest respect. We know that Paul did not take sides in this conflict. That is actually more significant than you might first expect. If Euodia and Synteche did not agree on an ethical or theological issue, Paul certainly would have weighed in. When have you ever seen the Apostle Paul not contribute his insight to such matters? Uh, never. So the conflict had to be about something else. Several academics have suggested that it might have been about finances. This congregation had made several financial gifts to Paul's work, and perhaps there were tensions over how the money was spent. This desire to be about God's ministry and to act with a grateful heart, sharing the abundance of the Lord's blessings, conflicted with the need to control spending so that there would be sufficient resources to provide for the needs of the faith community. Another mystery is who in the world is a mediator that he names? Paul calls this person the loyal companion. In Greek, it's syzygous, which means yokemate. There are many scholars who've weighed in on this mystery of the identity of syzygous. Despite the fact that the word in Greek is in the masculine form, some of the earliest Christian historians have suggested that our mediator is, in fact, Lydia. She was apparently a woman who could get things done. Another suggestion is Luke, the author of both the Gospel of Luke as well as the Book of Acts. This syzygous, yokemate, was also a common expression in the ancient world for a spouse. Did Paul have a wife? Was she part of this Philippians community? Is this the reason that Paul gushes over this church? He calls them repeatedly his beloved, whom I long for and love. He names them his joy and his crown. Hmm. Ah, so many questions. And we can't flip to that last page of the book to discover the answers to our mystery. But even 2,000 years later, we know this conflict between these two treasured church leaders was serious enough to tear at this Christian community in Philippi. It almost tore it apart. We know that it was serious because Paul, sitting in prison hundreds of kilometers from Philippi, knew about it. And it is to address this conflict that Paul opens up the Swiss army knife of all scripture. To this mysterious conflict that we will never know all the answers, listen again to Paul's advice. Put God first. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Be kind. Put the interests of others before your own. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Remember, God has not abandoned you. God is near. Don't be frightened or anxious. Do not worry about anything. Pray. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In this formula of conflict resolution is the promise of God's peace that surpasses all understanding. Paul tells this community to focus on that which is good, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I want to return for just a moment to the 23rd Psalm that we heard Christina sing for us. The Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Growing up, I always thought that that meant that God would show favor to me right in front of the people who had been mean to me, dismissed me, or hurt me. Those mean people would be jealous of the fact that God liked me better. Hmm, but in grappling with the whole of the Bible, with Isaiah's promise of God preparing a meal for all nations, even the people that are difficult, and Paul's advice on conflict resolution, I now think that this meal that God prepares before me in the presence of my enemies is a meal intended for everyone, and it is through this transformative collective coming together over dinner that the Lord will reconcile God's people one to another. Oh yes, there might be something about full tummies and grateful hearts that can transform lives. And while Philippians 4 may leave many unanswered questions, there is one more thing that we do know. Despite this conflict that threatened the church, this little church survived. We have a letter dated from around 160 from Polycarp of Smyrna to this congregation in Philippi. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul writes, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. prayer of intercession. Lord, we come before you not alone, but in the company of one another. We share our happiness with each other, and they multiply. We share our troubles with each other, and they are divided. We share one another's griefs and burdens, and their weight becomes possible to bear. 
May we never be too mean to give nor too proud to receive, for in giving and receiving, we learn to love and be loved. We encounter the meaning of life, the mystery of existence, and we discover you. Loving God, we hold in your light the concerns of our community. God of peace, we lift to you all the conflict in the world, the conflict between nations, between ethnic groups, in church families, and most especially in our own families. Conflicts that simmer just under the surface and threaten to destroy the joys of your harvest feast. Give us a spirit of reconciliation that our gentleness may be known to everyone. O oh God of abundance, keep us ever mindful of our sisters and brothers who in this season of harvest, this season where we celebrate your abundance, these people experience only isolation and loneliness. Give us eyes to see and the courage to show that you are always near. God of compassion in this season of plenty, we know that there are those in our community as well as around the world who are simply hungry and have no place to sleep. Inspire us with creativity to be your hands and your feet to pursue real sustainable solutions to these very human problems. God of comfort, we can be an anxious lot. We worry and we fret. We worry that we will not have enough and we become stingy with the gifts that you gave us to share. And we worry over very real serious things like health concerns and the coronavirus. And we worry over silly things like underbaked pies and burnt dinner rolls. Oh God, ease our worried minds and help us to make our requests known to you through prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. God of eternal life, we lift up to you today those who mourn, those who will gather around the Thanksgiving table, this harvest feast, keenly aware of the absence of loved ones, brothers, sisters, parents, friends, who are missing from our dinner tables, but who will dine with you at the heavenly banquet. Guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and grant us your peace that surpasses all understanding. For these concerns and others that go unnamed, we ask to know your presence, your guidance, your comfort, your strength. In the name of Jesus, we bring these things to you, and so we pray together the words that you taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. to the world in peace. Have courage. 
Hold on to that which is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, help the suffering, support the weak. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Mm -hmm.